car, go to Mum's, kill Phil, sorry, grab Liz, go to the Winchester, have a nice cold pint, and wait for all this to blow over. How's that for a slice of fried gold? Hello, and welcome to episode 175 of Pop Culturally Deprived, where each week we watch a movie I've never seen before, which is most of them, and talk about the good, the bad, and the cornetto. This week we're going to be talking about Shaun of the Dead on your You Don't Want to Die Single, Do You? podcast. podcast you can find me on twitter at mandy k and i'm matthew vose you can find me on twitter at matthew vose does cornetto mean anything to you not even a little bit i had no idea what it was okay. until i saw the ice cream cone thing on the screen and it said cornetto okay. on it not not even just one cornetto just one cornetto give No. Okay. I've never heard that word in my life. Okay. Should it mean something to me? No, I, it's one of those things. You have no idea how these things travel or not. Um, and this is the first film in the Cornetto trilogy. So cool, 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 cool. It's a thing? Yes. Like, it's a thing. I, I mean, okay. Cornettos are an established ice cream sold over here in a wrapper. So cool. I mean, they reminded it reminded me of a drumstick. Um, That's what we call this here. Yeah, I, I mean, you imagine it's got you know it's a conical thing and it's got some ice mm-hmm. cream on the top and it's got paper around it with a bit of paper mm-hmm. on top of it. Um, it's also, as I have found, referred to as the Blood and Ice Cream trilogy. <laughs> but I okay. think that's by people who don't want to use brand names in things like the name of their wiki files and so on. So, what's the third movie in this trilogy? Well, it's the world's end. Let's talk about that once we watch Hot Fuzz. Okay. This might be a trilogy we don't finish, just FYI. Hey, we're doing British Movie Month. We are apparently doing British Movie Month. (laughs) Because Matthew has decided we are now a themed podcast, and that's what we do. I like themes. It makes (laughs) them, because otherwise we end up sitting, looking at this list of 200 films going, well... We could watch that, I suppose. We could watch that, I suppose. We could watch... I'm so into the idea of, like, next month it's New Zealand month. Next month it's this month. Awesome. No, because I really want to watch John Wick 3, and I don't think you can find a theme that we can plug that into, so... There are always When more, we're done with British movies... Um, Keanu Reeves movies. There are oh, you know, you know we sh- what we should have done is we should have transitioned and done The Matrix 3 into John Wick 3 and done, you know, two Keanu films, but wrapping up Trilogies Month. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm pretty sure we can probably find some more, um, not trilogies, but like sequels, like next in line movies we, for franchises that we're watching. So we can do like franchise continuation month. We could uh, pinch from our friends over at Cult Popture and do film franchise finales. <laughs> Ooh. Maybe. Mm. Hmm. But we're doing British Month. I'll, but we are doing, doing British, British Month, Month right now. And Mostly because I think we I, keep talking about British films. 
uh, obliquely or specifically, depending on what it is. But the ones that we've done have been sort of event films, you know, big ticket items, Four Weddings and a Funeral, Shakespeare in Love, Monty Python. Um, we did the Pride the and Prejudice piece. series. So I'm kind of interested in doing some smaller films, some, you know, films that have international recognition, as we will see. Right. I was going to say, uh, does Shaun of the Dead count as a smaller film? Certainly when it came out, yes. Okay. As okay. You, you know, this is the film that put some of the people in it and making it on the map in terms of movies. So, okay, you know, fair. it was small when it came out. Mm-hmm. 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 Um, I also want to say up front, so I, I was debating whether we do this or not. I actually went to, you, you know, I've mentioned the Rule of Three podcast, so... Um, mm-hmm. It's a comedy podcast by comedy writers who interview other comedians and comedy writers about comedy that they love so they can try to dig into what comedy is, this kind of thing. Okay. Um, I, I found it when they had Darrow Brian on talking about Eddie Izzard and they've had um, Aisling B on talking about Father Ted. You know, people who talk about something that clearly means a lot to them. And it's really interesting stuff. Okay. I went to a live taping of that podcast where they had on a young comedian talking about how Shaun of the Dead was so important to him. So I'm going to okay. make sure I link to that in the show notes because it was a really good discussion. I've not re-listened to it because I don't want to be either completely pinching some of the stuff they said, although there is one thing that stands out that we're going to cover, but I also don't want to be shying away from things because they said it. Right. So I'm hoping, you know, okay. whilst we might no, cover some of the same stuff. But they do it in, in a very comedic sense, but in a how it's made to be funny and how it's made to be a film story, you know, from these... Right. Young creatives, this kind of thing. So I'm going to okay. say that now. Everyone should listen to that after us, because then you can hear them pinching stuff of us. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I feel like we need to disclaimer. All thoughts on this podcast are our own. <laughs> Drink Anything Coke. It sounds like someone else may have thought of is absolutely unintentional. <laughs> Obey Hypnotoad. Um... <laughs> So I don't know, like, when we've done other theme months, we've talked about Keanu Reeves, and we've talked about women directors, and mm-hmm. vampire movies, and so on. We've done, do, I'm not even sure we can do a discussion on British cinema. I I don't know that we can, simply from the fact that I'm still largely unaware mm-hmm. of British cinema. And like, so the answer to my question of why I never saw this was literally just because I, British movies were not on my radar mm-hmm. ever, um, especially back in 2004. I didn't even discover Doctor Who until 2013. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? <laughs> and, I mean, everybody knows that I'm, like, a huge Whovian now. Like, my wedding bands are going to be Doctor Who themed. <laughs> Bless you. Right? Like, it's a thing. And in 2004, I still lived in such an American-centric world that I didn't even realize they made movies other places. Mm-hmm. Like, if a movie was made, it was made in Hollywood. Right. Okay. Okay. Like, that's mm-hmm. that's the world that I lived in back right. then. There's no way. Like, I have a vague... No. No. I did not hear... The first movie I heard of with Simon Pegg was Hot Fuzz. Okay. Okay. And when I saw it, I was like, that looks really stupid. I don't care. <laughs> and we'll talk about that again when we get to Hot Fuzz mm-hmm. later this month. But... Shaun of the Dead, I think I only have heard of it tangentially over the last few years, like people just mentioning it, okay. because British 
film is not something mm. that was a part of my life until I met you. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's a little bit of the thing, isn't it? You, you know, the British films that you do know of and have seen are Shakespeare in Love. Mm-hmm. You know, are, Love Actually. Yeah, exactly. Massive, massive films that are yes. made in such a way to appeal to an international audience that don't have references to Cornetto and... You know, just yes. some of that sort of random stuff going on that aren't quite so entrenched in British culture in quite the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, so the films that we are covering are films that you know have succeeded internationally, but also are, I think, quite rooted in British culture. And it's so hard to define what a British film is because I think I've talked about it before, like Star Wars are British films. They, they were made here. <laughs> so... They're British films. Oh, okay. Most of what Kubrick made is a British film, but he didn't make particularly British films in terms of the right. culture. And there are there are British right. films that we're not going to be watching that are dreary and dismal about the hardships people go through in their lives. Mm-hmm. That are very hard. They're not, you know, necessarily entertainment as as we talk about pop culture entertainment. Right. right. Um and then there's things that we are just ignoring. So so I did a uh, poll on Twitter, like, hey, should we watch Carry On movie? And everyone's like, no, do not watch the Carry On movies. They're a massive part of the history of British cinema, but they are also utterly sexist and horrid. But there was part of okay. me thinking, look, this is a franchise of, it must be 20 films plus. You know, it's a massive franchise, but also it's yeah, awful. Know. You know, it's it's an excuse for men to be lascivious at women mm. in an incredibly soft core way, but Hmm. To be fair, I don't know what movies we're doing for British Month apart from Sean. Well, so I, I, I was going to return when you said Hot Fuzz because we're not doing Hot Fuzz. We're not. We're not doing Hot Fuzz. Just so we can... Then I have no idea what movies we're doing besides Shaun of the Dead. So we are doing Shaun of the Dead. We're doing Remains of the Day. So a you know quasi period Merchant Ivory production. We're doing Doctor No because. James Bond is British cinema. You're making me watch James Bond. Let's watch a James Bond. Let's watch the first James Bond before James Bond became James Bond. If we're doing British cinema, that feels like a good place to go. And I'm not excited about this. And to be honest with you, we don't have to. If you want to find a different British film for us to watch, we can watch a different British film. But I mean, you're the resident Brit. I feel like I have to defer to you on this one. And it's hard because I do not really like James Bond, but I'm also interested in watching Doctor No. Let's go back to Sean Connery doing it originally. And we're also doing Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels. Okay. Which is sort of the... I've heard you mention that Yeah, the the start of modern British cinema, I think. But whether that's right or not, I don't know. So a bit of a variety in there. Good, good. Zombie movies. (laughs) That's what we're talking about. Do you want to give us a brief synopsis of this film? Um, IMDb had the briefest of brief synopses on this one, and I stole it, as I often do, but I really like this one. A man's uneventful life is disrupted by the zombie apocalypse. Good. Let's return to that when we talk about what this movie is about later on. (laughs) Okay. A bit of history for everyone. Shaun of the Dead is a 2004 zombie romantic comedy directed by Edgar Wright, starring Nick Simon Pegg, Nick Frost, and Kate Ashfield. It was written by Wright and Pegg after creating a zombie episode of their sitcom series, Spaced. Uh, 
Many zombies in the film were fans of the series who were invited to spend a week filming the zombie crowd scenes, and other comedy actors were also included as cameo zombies. Shaun of the Dead performed very well at the box office. It earned $30 million against a $6 million budget and started the film careers of Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright. Hot Fuzz and The World's End would be made with the same actors in different situations and stories to follow up. Like, so different characters? Yeah, utterly different stuff, but... Okay. Sort of so, like, not the same universe at all. In the same way people refer to... Romeo and Juliet and Moulin Rouge as Baz Luhrmann's red carpet duology. And then I think Great Gatsby is the third of that. Mm, They're all different, but also his style and his vibe comes to it to create it as sort of thing. Okay. Mm. So how were you able to watch this over there? I signed up for the seven-day free trial of the Cinemax channel on Amazon. Cinemax? So I could watch it. Yes. Okay. Because that's where it was, or I could have spent four ninety nine on it. Why does Cinemax make me think of like American Pie jokes about trying to watch nudie movies? Because Cinemax is also colloquially known as Skinemax. Skinemax. Okay, right. I am thinking the right thing. Because I don't know if it's. I mean, it is. It, it is a cable movie channel, but I haven't had it in so long. As a child growing up, like it was a normal movie channel during the day, mm-hmm. but like. After nine o'clock, it had movies children were not allowed to watch. Okay. Okay, cool. <laughs> I don't know if they still do that, but uh, Streaming. Shaun of the Dead right. was one of them. Cool. The, the movies that were available. <laughs> um, I saw another one that I really wanted to see. Oh, Ever After is a featured movie on Cinemax oh, nice. right now. Nice. Which is an amazing movie. So, <laughs> I mean, Cinemax has great stuff on it. I don't know if they still do the adult movies. Mm, on the actual... Box channel. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm, cool. I don't, I don't know. Over here, it's on Amazon Prime Video. It's on it Sky Cinema. And I own the DVDs. Of course it is. Of course you do. Um, I, I saw this at the movies when it came out. Um, and actually watching one of the trailers today, I can remember even watching one of the trailers and going, okay, yes, I'll enjoy that. I was a bit cool on this when it came out. Really? I, I enjoy, oh, and we could talk about this a little bit more. I enjoyed it well enough, but not raving about. But then I think I got the DVD because it was about four pounds. Something like that. you know, it's one of those kind of in the bin in a supermarket or something. You're like, oh, shot there, yeah, oh, let's watch that again. It is significantly better on the small screen than it was on the big screen. I think it's one of my big things with this. I can see that mm. actually. I, I think it really shows that this is TV director and writer transitioning yeah. and there's there is stuff that we'll talk about that you know when they do it largely do it really well but also it's got that sort of tv vibe to it mm-hmm. I, I don't know how to quantify it but hmm. so edgar wright simon Pegg, and nick frost they're the main people in this what's your experience mm-hmm. of the three of them um when I hear Edgar Wright, I think of Baby Driver, mm-hmm. which I've never seen. Mm-hmm. Okay. But it was so big when it came out, and everybody was like, oh my god, it's the most amazing movie ever. Mm. So that's what I equate him with, even though I don't know anything about it. Okay. Um, so I looked through his filmography. I have seen Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, but I don't remember it. Oh. Mm. Like, almost nothing. You're looking at me like this is a travesty. It's a wonderful film. <laughs> Um, and then he wrote Ant-Man or was a co-writer on Ant-Man? Yeah, he's one of the early examples of Marvel getting rid of directors. Or Mm. directors, sorry, directors walking away for creative differences. I think what he did, Joss Whedon wishes he had done. 
with with Avengers two. Mm, okay. So. Okay. Um, Simon Pegg. Mm-hmm. Like I know his name. Mm-hmm. And when I think of him, when I see his face now, I think of Star Trek. Okay, fair. The new one, the the Calvin timeline. Yep, he's Scotty. And yes, apparently he's in the Mission Impossible franchise, which means I have seen him because I have seen at least two of those movies. Okay. Everything else. Did not seem super familiar to me. Apparently, he was in Star Wars, but he's I don't the that. giant trader. He's under lots of prosthetic stuff. He's the trader mm-hmm. in the Force Awakens that Ray sells stuff to, and he tries okay. to drive the buy the droid off her. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, he 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 did a voice in like a Doctor Who confidential thing. Mm. He did an episode of Doctor Who, but every British actor ever has done that. So. <laughs> Basically, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, like I. I know his name and his face more than I know his work. Mm. And I don't really know why, but I do. He's one of the Brits who has done well in America. That's you probably know, why, so, so, you know, give him that. He was Ogden Morrow in Ready Player One. Yes, he was. Mm-hmm. I thought it would stand out to you. Fun fact, I learned last week that Ready Player Two is coming out in November. The book. Hmm. um nick frost Hmm. i looked through his filmography his face looks familiar to me and i couldn't place him okay um but i have seen penelope and snow white and the huntsman so maybe that's where i know his face from okay like none of these are like i know their names but i don't really watch their work Mm. He's he is much more of a Brit actor than having made it in America. Did you see Kinky Boots? Mm-mm. Either the musical or the thing, the the film. Okay, no, I didn't know there was a film. Okay, it's based on a film. Oh, okay. Um, and the drag queen transgender person in it is Ch- Chiwetel Ejiofor. Okay, he's really good. In the film, yeah, he's okay. really good. I'm. Definitely okay. inserting a clip of him saying red here. Red! Red, Charlie! Red! Red is the colour of sex and fear and danger and signs that say do not enter. It's wonderful. Okay. Um, <laughs> you say so. Please, God, tell me I have not inspired something burgundy. <laughs> it's wonderful. Okay. Um... He's. Uh, I. I would tell you the thing that he was in Kinky Boots. If you'd seen Kinky Boots, you have not seen Kinky Boots, so I'm not going to tell you that thing. I. Yeah. I have realised. I'm going to pause the podcast discussion of Shaun of the Dead here. I have realised we skipped over something earlier that we should have talked about up front. So we'll talk about it here. I'll either leave it here and everyone be like, "No, crack on with the film. We're here for the film discussion." You're engaged. This is the first podcast where you're engaged. You mentioned wedding bands, and I'm fairly sure, like, half our listeners probably like, wait, what? <laughs> when did this happen? What's going on? What's the... We should probably, you know. Yes, I did get engaged uh, the week prior to this recording. <laughs> Which is, admittedly, three weeks ago from when this comes out, so... Yes. There are pictures on Twitter. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I feel we should address it, you know. <laughs> yeah. Good. Uh, other similar material. So, this is a zombie film. It's listed as a zombie romantic comedy to the extent the URL for this film 
was romzom.com. Because they called it really? they called it a romzomcom. <laughs> Romantic zombie comedy. Wow. Um, I wouldn't have... Oh, wow. I was going to say I wouldn't have pegged it for that, but I feel like I can't. Uh, nice. Simon. Nice. High five. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When I saw that description uh, in your outline, I was taken aback by it mm. because this did not feel like a romantic comedy at all okay. to me, even though there was a relationship and in the end, the relationship had a happily ever after. Mm-hmm. By your definition? But- by my definition, a romantic comedy has to have a happily ever after, but that does not mean every, every happily ever after is a romantic comedy. Okay. Okay. And this feels like the latter right. to me. Uh, I probably agree with you, but for different reasons. Uh, let's talk a little bit zombie films. Um, obviously, this is based on George A. Romero's Of the Dead trilogy, Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead, and he then went on to do Diary of the Dead, Land of the Dead, Day of the Dead... <laughs> You have not seen any of them. You haven't seen any of them. No. You have not seen Night of the Living Dead. I have not. Okay. You haven't seen. It's in black and white, right? It is black and white. Yeah. It is. So you it is very black. I've not seen that, Matthew. And very white. Yes. <laughs> um, you haven't seen Dawn of the Dead. Mm-mm. You haven't seen the remake of Dawn of the Dead Mm-mm. that came out like two weeks before this. No. Which was a big marketing faux pas from one of those film companies, I think. Mm. Have you seen 28 Days Later? Have you seen other zombie okay. things? Um, My main experience with zombies is The Walking Dead. Okay. Mm. Um, And then once I realized zombies and The Walking Dead was a thing I enjoyed, I did watch Zombieland. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good champ. Mm-hmm. So, yes. That's the, that's my zombie okay. experience there. Um, there's some books and stuff I've read. Have you read Zombie. World War Z? I've seen World War Z, but I have not read it. Okay. Yes, I say Z, not Z. Ugh. <laughs> I only watched it because Brad Pitt was in it. It was weird. I loved that book. I read it and I dreamed about it. It was so good. Really? One of the best books I've ever read. Mm. All right. I might have to put that on my list. I've been reading a lot more lately. Mm, really good. So, um... There, this is a style of horror film, though, that's very similar to other movies that we've talked about recently. Mm-hmm. You don't look convinced. No, go on, make your point. We'll come back to it in a bit. But, like, so <laughs> I used to think that horror movies were just horror movies, horror, right? Horror, And then arc. we saw, then we, you know, have movies like The Evil Dead, which are campy, but... Mm take themselves seriously they're not intended to be camp Mm -hmm. but that has spawned this new generation well new i don't know if it's new quotation marks new of horror comedy films Mm. not just straight horror so you get things like cabin in the woods tucker and dale versus evil what we do in the shadows Mm -hmm. and this movie fits into that mold for me got it like it's horror but it's not gory scare jumps suspenseful music lurk like what's lurking around the corner mm-hmm. and that makes it much easier for me to enjoy got it okay okay Shaun of the dead did you enjoy it i did yeah i didn't think i would but okay. i did <laughs> okay <laughs> um at what point did you think oh actually i am enjoying this that's a very good question 
Um, I mean, I, I fully related to Simon Pegg's character mm-hmm. the moment he sat Sean. down to play. Yes, his name is Sean. <laughs> Thank you. I fully related to the character of Sean mm-hmm. when he sat down to play video games with Ed and Ed reminded him, no, you have to go to work. Okay, so scene two. turn the video game off and get up and go to work. <laughs> like, yes. Yes, Sean, I feel you. I do that every day. <laughs> um, and I don't know. Like, there's so much going on in this movie. And th- this movie was done really well like the way that i watch movies now is just different from how i used to Mm -hmm. and so i was picking up from the beginning all of the little things that were happening that were leading you to know that this was a zombie movie i mean granted for most people Shaun of the dead you probably know it's a zombie movie Mm -hmm. the website was zomcom right like Mm -hmm. they marketed it as a zombie momzom.com which i have no idea if it's still um but, like, watching how oblivious he was to, like, the news reports going on around him, dead people in the street, mm-hmm. things like that. I was just, like, watching it, wondering how they were going to get this to be a cohesive story. Mm-hmm. And they did it. And so I was pretty engaged from the beginning, even though it was very mundane in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Like, it opens with him having a conversation with Liz about how crappy their relationship is. Yeah, she wants more. In public, in front Mm. of their friends, a conversation they should not be having in front of their friends, right? And I'm like, "Mm, this is kind of weird. How's this going to be zombies? And then you hear the news reports in the background. You see him when he does go to work, flipping through the news channels, utterly oblivious Mm. to what's happening on the screen. But we see it. And so that, that, like, piqued my interest enough that I wanted to watch more. Mm. And so then the more I watched, the more I was invested and involved. Nice. So. Yeah, it, it does I don't really think there was, grab you in really well. Yeah, I don't think there was a specific moment. Okay. It was just kind of the entire ambiance of the movie. Right. And I don't know that if I had watched this in 2004 that I would have picked up on all of the subtle signs that were in the background. Mm-hmm. Like, I probably would have been just as oblivious. Right. As Sean was, it, there is there is an aspect of that that they're leaning on the uh, sort of tropes of horror, the language mm-hmm. of horror to to tell you some of this stuff until you finally get to that point where he wakes up hungover and walks to the shop again, and the world has fallen to pieces <laughs> overnight. You know, um, and he still doesn't see it. Like he slips in the blood. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. It's so good. Um, it, I read an interesting thing that in writing this, Edgar Wright had gone through something similar. Where we had an epidemic over here with cows catching foot and mouth disease, and okay. uh, it destroyed the British beef industry because okay. suddenly whole herds were having to be burned, put down, and burned. Mm-hmm. And he apparently there's a story that he turned on the news one day, having not paid attention to it for a couple of weeks, and there were pictures of giant herds of cows being burned. And he's like, "I can imagine that." Wait, what's terrifying. going on? So, you know, he had this thing of, like, it is possible to go a little bit without paying attention and to lose what's actually going on. Mm-hmm. 2020 is a weird year to discuss this. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I was just thinking, when the pandemic started, like, a couple weeks after, um, there were news reports of Jared Leto 
because he had been in the desert for two weeks. (laughs) No phone, no internet, no social media by himself. Had no idea the world was falling apart and came out to this news. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And I I, I kind of see that as very, very similar. I think I read a similar thing about a couple sailing from America to Italy or something. Just had the same thing. Um, (laughs) The point that I'm going to steal from rule of three, because... The point is very good, but they make it very eloquently. The 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 advertising for this wanted it to be it's a zombie romantic comedy because that's kind of the funny. We're doing something silly. It helps set us apart from other zombie films. The other zombie film coming out that summer, but actually this is a coming of age story. This is a young man going from being young man with his mates playing video games into living with a woman, being in a relationship, being in yes. a committed relationship putting down the childish toys okay. thing. You just don't usually see coming-of-age stories about 29-year-old men, which I think is an interesting twist. I think you see more. I think perhaps more in British comedy. I think this might be part of the thing of it. This is, And again, it sort of helps that it's a TV basis for these people. That is a very standard mm-hmm. TV story. It, it's the story of friends. It's them going from hanging out with their friends to getting into relationships yes. and this kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um But whilst that is the story that's going on here, the film has the trappings of a zombie film. Mm-hmm. So the zombie film has sort of crashed the set of this coming-of-age film, this, this story of growth. And they're, right. they're just dealing with it whilst they're also doing the, you know, Sex and City story. Shall we, shan't we? What do we have to give up to be together? <laughs> right. I don't think that, that Sean would have come of age so to speak if we hadn't had the zombie apocalypse though no but i think any story like that any coming of age story has some Mm -hmm. sort of inciting incident (laughs) that causes the people to change and go through and try to do something whether it's a chosen one narrative whether it's a zombie narrative you know right Hmm. Hmm. so i like that point I think I think that's quite, and, and I think the film works better on that. My issue with it is, once they get to the pub, the film doesn't know what to do with itself. This is where I th- I think, having you know spent fifteen years thinking about why I'm not so hot on this film as other people were, I think it's that point when they get to the pub and it sort of just drifts off, and it's like. So what do we do now? Well, okay, we can have Herbie bit, and we can deal with that thing. We can deal with the relationships between them, but it's like we either have to become a coming-of-age story and and have that be at the forefront, or we have to be a zombie story. And at that point, it becomes a zombie story. Everyone dies, okay. and our heroes just about make it out, but may or may not live in the end. Who knows? Right. So. Except then they do it, Except they cause... do. They give them the... Because a lot of zombie films end with everyone dies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. I, I was expecting Sean to live. Hmm. I wasn't really expecting anybody else to live. Okay. Maybe Ed. Mm -hmm. I certainly didn't expect Liz to live. Oh, really? She's female and blonde. (laughs) She's not supposed to live by the standards of Hollywood, but this is a British movie. Mm. Not a Hollywood movie, right? And and so for those two to be the ones that make it, I think that's great. And and most zombie movies or horror movies like this, Mm -hmm. you do end up with a love interest where the two people end up together. Mm Um, I'm thinking of the remake of The Hills Have Eyes. Okay. Not saying it, but okay. Or the House. The ha- no, 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 not The Hills Have Eyes. The House on Hill House. Okay. 
the house on Haunted Hill. I don't actually know what movie I'm talking okay. about. <laughs> but I remember going to see this movie in the theater, and I knew within the first two minutes which two characters were going to survive. Right. And they, it was a man and a woman who just met at the beginning of the movie. Okay. And so usually the romance builds because of the conflict and having to survive together. Mm-hmm. And so that was different here. Like we're taking an established relationship that is having its own conflict. Mm-hmm. But this apocalyptic conflict is bringing them back together. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I actually found that to be quite nice that that it for me it was not the standard Hollywood trope mm-hmm. that you see in mm-hmm. these kinds of movies. Yeah, it absolutely could have been if take out all the zombie trappings, he is like, yeah, there's plenty more fish in the sea, it's not the end of the world, has a fling with another girl, the 40-year-old virgin. It could be, you know, has a series of dates with different women, realises they're all crazy, God, but my Liz is the (laughs) one I want, does the big I love you whatever thing he has Mm -hmm. to do, and they end up together and he sacrifices some of his childhood youth stuff to be with her, and she accepts that actually he's a bit fun, because she's also been on dates with... Ty Burrell and you know other people who are a bit dull or a bit silly themselves and realizes that she right. is the one she loves, you know, yeah, and, and that would probably be a fine romantic comedy, but they went a different way with this. They decided to have zombies crashing the thing, and I I, I quite love the way they do it. I just think that that Act Three, they don't again. You know, we've talked about this before. They don't integrate the two stories, right? Not at yeah, all. So. Not at all. But we're here to talk British films. Let's talk about the Britishness of it. What stood out to you? What was weird about it to you? What did you like? What did you think? So one of my early comments is... Hang on, where is it? I don't know. Apparently my comment's not actually there. I swear I thought I put it in there. But if I didn't know better, I would really think that everybody in England is really deeply unhappy. <laughs> yeah, there is there is an aspect to that, isn't there? <laughs> like, everybody, from the people on the bus, the customers in the shop, the people in the pub. is Is that just like a British thing? I think, is that a Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright thing? Yeah, they're doing sort of because it's it's North London, but it's a small suburb of North London. Um, so they're just I, like they're doing the nice thing of people just going about their lives. So people do just sit on the bus, and people do see, uh, pub culture is obviously a bit different over here to bar culture, but mm-hmm. there are people who just go and sit in the pub of an evening, and maybe chat to the people around them, but that's just what they do. Mm-hmm. Um. So, so like, it's interesting that it comes across as unhappy, but I can also see that it's people do the same thing every day, and that's what you do in your life. You stay in the same area you were raised in. Well, that's fine, but nobody smiles. No. Like, ever. <laughs> Everybody just had this very, like, dour look on their face. Uh, and the other commentary they're doing is, aren't we all zombies already? The whole bit at the beginning with the, you know, Mary in the supermarket and the guys with the, the supermarket trolleys and so on, just beeping things. Well, and through. even Sean waking up yeah. in the morning. Yeah. 
but not even not even as heavy handed as you know he's acting like a zombie. They are just turned off for the day because they're just going about their routine. Yeah. yeah, which they actually inserted very well back at the end of the movie. I didn't mm-hmm. expect that, although God, watching it, it occurred <laughs> to me this is exactly what would happen in the world right. if there was a zombie apocalypse. Yep. This is what we would do. We would have people on Jerry Springer, not that Jerry Springer is a thing anymore, but we would have people on Jerry Springer with their zombie significant others, Mm -hmm. right? We would have zombies being the checkers at Walmart. (laughs) It's just like... Elon Musk has monetized zombies by putting them in the basement level of his train and they now run, generate electricity, which powers you to get to... (laughs) And and yes. it would be it would be Google sponsored zombies to run server farms and <laughs> yes, that would absolutely be a thing. Mm. And it's depressing. <laughs> yeah, it's really depressing. Mm. It does not speak well of humanity. So, in terms of the Britishness of it, other than you know everyone looked unhappy because of the weather, probably. Um... <laughs> Like it's it's very there is an aspect of this that you could transplant this to any suburb of any city in the world. Largely, mm-hmm. this could be the outskirts of Rally. I'm sure, probably. Yeah, but at the same time, there's cornettos and buses and. <laughs> well, but I mean, there are places that have public transportation mm-hmm. and you know corner shops like that. Right? Yeah. True. 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 You know, I mean, this this honestly could have been take in Queens, mm-hmm. take the subway and the corner bodega, yeah. right? See, uh, well, that's the nice thing about this. That. It's not London, London. It's not necessarily on the tube line and getting into the, you know, the financial heart of the city and all this kind of thing. It's not quite that. It is still people living in houses, whether they're terraced or semis, this kind of thing. So it's not quite, most zombie films, and we should get into zombie films in a sec, but most zombie films will do people flee the cities and trample over each other and queues all the way up the interstate and all this sort of thing. This is doing what if actually people are a little bit more spread out, but also living in close proximity to each other. Yeah. Yeah. As a resident brett did it come across as super british to you or fairly generic i think generic in uh, and again this is partially to make sure it can be sold internationally more easily they don't lean too heavily on things certainly when when we get to i have a feeling Lockstock might feel more british in some of his stuff um but i feel like they did sand off some of those edges to make it more accessible. Okay. But, there, you know, you have pointed out things like pub culture. It's just a thing. Just go down the pub. That's what you do. You go down the pub of an evening. Um, and, you know, pubs were absolutely central to British society for a blooming long time. Mm-hmm. And there are arguments over whether they are now, whether they should be now. But, you know, fine. Um, the fact that he works in this small electronics home equipment store. Which we look at, we're like... God, those TVs were so big. <laughs> right? But but they're just, you know, we watch that, we're like, oh, it's Dixon's. Okay, that's basically where he works. You're you're not saying any specific thing, I assume, but you are understanding, like, okay, it's a home electronics store. Right. Mm. So I think it's a, it's a layer of reference, maybe. 
that's the difference, okay. but not a reference that leaves you out. If you don't, you know, quite get the thing, it's still not a problem. Right, mm. right. Mm. Okay. Mm. Cool. It was an interesting time for a zombie film to come out. Because... Well, Dawn of the Dead came out at this time, and I think we'd had 28 Days Later. But by and large, zombie films were not a thing at this point. When did The Walking Dead start? You'll have to tell me. 2010. Mm. So the comic book was presumably going, but... Mm-hmm. You know, basically no one had yeah, really done show... much on the zombie series, except for like, the, the George Romero stuff. There were a few, you know, 80s horror movies around it and so on. I mean, Zombieland would be five years after this, so. Yeah, the comic book series started in October 2003. Oh, okay, well. So this was... So it was very, very close. This was definitely being written before then, because this was written sometime around 2000, 2001. Mm. How interesting. Um, to the extent Letterboxd do, uh, you know, we reference Letterboxd as the film social media, social network mm-hmm. thing. Um they do a showdown every so often of like, give us your top 10 films about X. And then they collate all the different people who rated films and say like, you know, most people rated this one. This got the highest number of ratings and so on. And they do their top 20 of whatever the subject is. Shaun of the Dead is the number one zombie film, according to that showdown. Really? With Night of the Living Dead at two, 28 Days Later, Zombieland, and then Dawn of the Dead as the top five. Okay. This is considered one of the top zombie films. And, and I think, yeah, I can see it. It does zombies really well. It doesn't mess with the formula. Because yeah, that was the problem with, like, 28 Days Later. The zombies run. And they're really aggressive mm. and so on. Um, whereas this does zombies in a really classical way. But clearly in a world where zombies do not exist. Because they don't know how to deal with zombies immediately. Mm-hmm. So it's quite fun, sort of. It's a nice to see them working out what to do and how to do. Possibly because... Maybe it's because it had been a while since a good zombie film had come out. Maybe. I have just been reminded of another zombie movie that I have seen. I Am Legend. Yeah. It's a, like... Zompire? More than just zombie? Because I think they are vampires in the book. Because there, there is a, an early vampire film called something like The Last Man on Earth, which is based on the I Am Legend book. Mm, mm. Okay. Okay. And then there's one, there's a, um, a zombie movie that came out a couple years ago that I really wanted to see because it has Matt Smith in it, but I haven't seen it yet, called Patient Zero. Okay. It's got Stanley Tucci and Natalie Dormer. Like, I really want to watch it, but I haven't seen it. Yeah, I don't think I want to see that. Thank you. Really? It, it it gets a 4 out of 10 average. Oh, you like the letterbox? So. It's, it's got Stanley Tucci and Natalie Dormer. How can you not want to watch that? Because it gets a 4 average. This is part of the thing. No, no one has done particularly anything with the zombie movie in a very long time. Zombie movies are mm-hmm. fairly standard stuff. Occasionally, there's one that stands out as doing something a bit different. There was a film called Warm Bodies. Did you see that? I've read the book. I have not seen the mm, movie. I, I enjoyed that. That was good. That's on Netflix at the moment. Um, I did enjoy that. But also, Nicholas Holt goes a very long way with me. So, Okay. Mm. Mm. I recognize his name, but... Um, he was Beast in the X-Men prequel series. 
Okay. Good. Um, so the <laughs> Britishness didn't stand out to you? No, there there were a few things about it, like Penelope Wilton, mm-hmm. Bill Nighy. Penelope Wilton's in this. I, right, I was like, oh my God, it's Harriet Jones, Prime Minister. <laughs> Harriet Jones, Prime Minister. Well, well yes, I know who you are. <laughs> oh, of course, yes, which, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey. Which is where I know her from. She did that before she was in Downton Abbey. Mm. She did this before she was in well, Doctor Who. Because so Doctor Who hadn't come back yet. She is in a comedy series called Ever Decreasing Circles. Let me just look up to make sure I, I reference this properly. This is another one of those classic sitcoms. Um, it's the classic sitcom because it's the couple living in a neighborhood and, you know, they have neighbors who are awkward. And, the, the you know, the, the thing of British life and British living, and isn't it funny and absurd when we write it in a comedy show? Except the central character, played by Richard Bryars, um, and his wife is Penelope Wilton, He's the annoying one. In any other TV show, he would be the neighbour who is fastidious and asking you to turn your music down and asking you to, to park two inches further back because you've parked too close and, you know, you you shouldn't join the, the cricket team because the cricket team does this and I'm on the cricket team and all this. 20th century studies. Sounds interesting. Uh, tw- uh, 20, uh, tw- 20th century studies? Yes. Oh, uh, uh, which 20th century study would that be then? Uh, geography, history, science? No, no, the course is called 20th century studies. Are you sure they've got that right? In any other series, he would be the neighbour. Mm-hmm. And in this, he's the central character. Interesting. Yeah, and, and so there is an aspect of it that she was the wife in that, and she is in some ways playing the same character here. It's just that nice, happy British suburban living. Yeah, I noticed she was significantly different than the other characters I've seen her play. Mm. But I'm mostly familiar with Doctor Who and yeah. Downton Abbey. Yeah. But that's very different. From Much this different one. power. It yeah. struck me in this one that they kept showing her. So when it, when they were making the plan mm-hmm. of what they were going to do, and so they kept running through the scenarios, and it was yeah. the same except for like one thing would change yep. every time. Right after they killed Philip. They showed her running out of the house with them, and she always had this huge happy grin on her face. <laughs> right. And I'm like, dude, they just killed her husband. Yeah, yeah he does not think of his mum as a person. She's his mum. No. Mm. Yes, exactly. Yeah. But I do like, like completely off topic mm-hmm. of Penelope Walton, I do like, though, that his first instinct was to save his mom mm-hmm. even before saving Liz. Yeah. Hmm. So, mm. there's that. I like the setup for that of Bill Nye visiting him and talking about his uh-huh. bi-monthly visits. I trust you haven't forgotten about tomorrow. No. Your bi-monthly visit. No, I haven't forgotten. And it's really interesting to use the bi-monthly. We don't know if that's every two months or every twice a month. Right. Very nice. Um, yes. And just obviously his mum's important, but important because of the familiarity with his you know this goes back to that coming of age thing the familiarity with his youth and the comfort of that right you know his mum not being there and being in danger would be horrendous yeah distanced enough from him though that philip that's not my dad that's my stepdad Mm -hmm. she died he's not my dad he's my stepdad dude's been in his life since he was 12 Mm. And that's still the first thing he says every time, right? So they're they're not a close family. No. So I, I found that interesting. Um, I was so surprised to still be to see Bill Nighy show up, and then I was like, 
duh, this is a British film. Of course, he's going to show yeah, up. Yeah, this is this is the thing I say. And and to be fair, this is one of the things that made Bill Nye famous in the modern cinema. Okay. This was one of his okay. early performances. So uh, it, it's hard to have anything against him here because he's also actually quite good. He the, the emotional bit that he has to deliver in the car, he delivers really well. He does. It's really Absolutely. good. It's very touching. Um, yes. But he is also doing the Bill Nighy thing all the way through. <laughs> yes, yes, he is. He just he has this way about him. The way he carries himself. Yeah. It's just very Bill Nighy. Um, interesting thing for me, and I didn't recognize this, I have to bring our conversation back around Destiny. Um, <laughs> Joseph walks through and goes, that's the speaker. Mm. And I was like, what? The darkness... It's ancient enemy. There are many tales told throughout the city to frighten children. Lately, those tales have stopped. Now, the children are frightened anyway. The darkness is coming back. We will not survive it this time. He did. He voiced the speaker in Destiny. I don't know if you've gone through mm-hmm. those bits of the campaign, but it's like, oh my gosh. He was the voice of Samwise Gamgee in the 1981 Lord of the Rings radio series. Really? The one that had Ian Holm as um, uh-huh. Bilbo. As Frodo. As Frodo, sorry. Frodo, yeah. 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 Don't worry, Mr. Frodo. I won't let this farm maggot do you no harm. If he tries, it'll have Sam Gamgee to recommend. Thank you, Sam. He was Samwise. Okay, I've listened to that, but... I listened to it before I would have recognized, mm. been able to put names and voices. You can kind of see it because he does have a great voice and a great way of mm-hmm. speaking. You can absolutely see him doing voice acting and particularly younger in his career. I would imagine, like he, I think he did a good amount of theater as well. I can imagine him being really good at delivering on, on stage. Yes. But because he also delivers quite quiet performances, you know, you have to sort of keep up with him. He's very Christopher Walken. Christopher Walken does the same sort of thing. Over the years, I think film suits him because it can pick mm-hmm. up on some of the nuance of what he does. Yes. Mm. So, yes, it's a British film. It's got Bill Nye in it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but then it's also got Dylan Moran in it. And it's got Lucy Davis in it. Who And, and you know, when when he meets the other group of people, survivors, and it's mm-hmm. Martin Freeman. Martin and Freeman. And Matt Lucas. That's who that That's was. That's exactly who it was. I was like, I recognize his face, but I cannot place it. Matt Lucas, yes, that's who it yeah. was. Thank you. Um, uh, they, they are all, you know, Peter Serafinowitz is in this from The Tick and Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, you know, okay. a, a standard British actor. Mm-hmm. Lucy Davis, I mentioned, she is the daughter of Jasper Carrot, who's a famous comedian. But she was okay. um, a very minor role in the Pride and Prejudice series we watched. And she is Etta Candy in Wonder Woman. His secretary. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. She is herself a very good comedy actor. Mm-hmm. Mm. Very small part in this. And Dylan Moran is also a comedian. So uh, Davs, <laughs> the guy who fancies Liz. Um, okay. He is also a comedian. Uh, who Cusack Basically, like. that is his shtick. This sort of, mm-hmm. you know, you look like an accountant thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. You didn't hear what I called him, did what you? What did you call him? John Cusack Light. Yeah, yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what else has he done? 
uh, I, he's one of those sort of establishment types over here. He just turns up on TV comedy things, TV comedy specials, random stuff he's in. I'm trying to look. There's nothing that's standing out to me. Um, okay. But let's circle around to Nick Frost and particularly the character of Ed. Because this film does not want you to like Ed. It works really hard at making him pretty abhorrent. The fact that basically his first line ends with him calling everyone the C-word. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's quite an opening to your film. That wasn't... Well, okay, that was his first, like I guess, line of dialogue. But his actual introduction was when he was playing the game. Pinball machine. The game, yes. Slot and <laughs> Basically. They cut... His reactions mm-hmm. to the game mm-hmm. fit into what they were trying to say in their conversation, <laughs> but they couldn't say those words. Yep. And I thought that was brilliant. Yeah. Like, I really liked it. And so I was already set up to enjoy this character, mm-hmm. like be entertained by this character. Yeah. Even though he's kind of a terrible person, but you can also understand why Sean loves him. Yeah, that's exactly the thing. Like, he's a cheeky, chappy, fun to have around type who makes fart jokes, who makes gay jokes, who does all of this sort of thing. But he's Mm -hmm. also quite entertaining. So you sort of get it. I'll stop when you stop laughing. Right? Yeah. (laughs) Right? Yes. (laughs) I think we all have friends like that. Mm. So I enjoyed his character. Immensely. Yeah. And I'm actually really, really glad we got that tag at the end mm-hmm. where they didn't kill him. They chained him up in the shed. Yeah. <laughs> so he can still play video games every day. But it's, it's a really well-written relationship because, yeah, you get it. You see it. It's pretty mm-hmm. effortless as well. Yes. Uh, and I also dig that although they do make gay jokes in it, it sits on the uh, you know Frodo and Samwise side of... It's a bromance. Oh, absolutely. You know, Very much a bromance. Utterly there for each other. But it's not one that you ship and write fanfic about. Right. Mm. You know, he, he jokes and calls him babe. Yeah. He's like, he's not my boyfriend. Thanks, babe. Yeah, it's an absolute you know, setup, think... but it's perfect. Yes, it's perfect. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Love it. Shall we talk about our favorite moments? Mm. Did you have favorite moments? I did. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, I loved... Penelope Wilton, obviously, <laughs> because she's amazing. The way really, the way really she like... turns around to him when he says, "Philip touched me," and she just turns around <laughs> and looks at him, and he's like, "That was a lie. I'm sorry." Like, <laughs> yeah, because you don't accuse someone of that without it being true, yeah. you know? Yeah. So I like that she turned around enough. That it was simultaneous, she's really annoyed that he would make the accusation, mm-hmm. but also wanting to make sure that he's not serious. Mm. Like, willing to take him serious if it is true. Yeah. But at the same time, we both know you're lying. Mm-hmm. And so he comes clean, yeah. right? I, I thought that was a great moment. Um, I really liked the Yvonne 3B. So Yvonne I was the friend of... who basically rescues them in the end? Yes. Sister, yeah, okay. John. Yvonne. How's it going? Uh, I'm surviving. Um, The leader of the other group Mm -hmm. that was exactly the same as their group. Mm -hmm. Like, to the point that after we met her the first time, I fully expected somehow, and this is a Hollywood trope, not a British movie trope, but I fully expected the movie to end with Sean and Yvonne having teamed up. And they were going to live happily ever after. But instead, we get 
they have their own separate groups that are nearly identical because everybody in Britain's the same, mm. obviously. That's why you only need seven actors to be in the Basically, movie. right. <laughs> <laughs> so you remember I mentioned that this is, uh, they, they did an episode of the series Spaced about zombies. Mm-hmm. And this was sort of, the, that was the progenitor of this. She's the co-creator of Spaced with Simon Pegg. And she's the female lead and he's oh. the male lead. The, the setup of it is they meet for reasons and they're both looking for somewhere to live and they find somewhere to live, but you need to be a couple to live there. So they move in together. <laughs> Pretending to be a couple, but in separate rooms. And I've right. I've never made it past episode two. It just did not work oh. for me. And everyone says I would love it. I cannot make it into that series, and I'm really sorry. Okay. Because it's he it he is interesting. He is a comic book writer, geek. He references Terminator mm-hmm. Two in the opening of the first episode. All this sort of thing. But there's none of that in the next two episodes. So. <laughs> okay. At some point, I will make them through. But that's effectively why she's in this, because she's a little bit of a nudge-nudge, wink-wink. Oh, hey, it's mm-hmm. that girl who I was in that series with that you're watching this because you like that series. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's neat. Mm. I didn't have to know that to like no, her. No, exactly. So that's great. Yeah. yeah. The fight scene in the pub set to Queen. Right. Oh, my God. That was amazing. Right. So now we can talk Edgar Wright. <laughs> Okay. Because that's Edgar Wright's style. That's that's what he does. He does the 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 fast cuts of when when Sean's going to work and you show him drinking his tea, unzipping his trousers, flushing the toilet, and closing the front door. That's sort of four one second shots to show bang bang bang, and now he's at work. We can just move on with the story. We don't have to do anything. And that's a little bit what that thing is is you know then timing the thing to go with the music and so on. It's his mm-hmm. style to be really nippy, but really interesting with the camera mm-hmm. um, and to do stuff you wouldn't normally see in a film. He's you know, sort of you know new wave of directors. It's, Which my understanding is part of what made Baby Driver so Exactly. So when he gets to Baby Driver and suddenly all the work he's done in music videos and commercials and films and so on before, he basically makes a film of it. Okay. <laughs> it's what he does. Yeah. I thought it was fantastic. Mm-hmm. I loved it. Yeah. If you enjoyed that, um, you would probably enjoy Baby Driver. Because okay. it is basically a film of that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It might be a little too much, but mm-hmm. I'll probably give it a try one, one day. One we'll, day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there was some great dialogue in this. Mm-hmm. Like some one-liners. Simon Pegg getting the zombies to chase him, and he yells, it's a running buffet. All you can eat. Come and get me. <laughs> get cracked up. It's pretty great. He's really good at dialogue delivery. I mean, that's that's his strong point. I think the emotion stuff, okay. The brave, you know, I'm going to take charge stuff, a little bit much. He kind of puts on a faux American accent, something a bit transatlantic when he's doing mm. the, like, hey, are we all going to go and get in the car and go and do this thing? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but when he has to do comedy, he knows how to do it. When he bashes himself on the head by mistake, and he's like, bop him Ow. on the head. Ow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was great. I think I can forgive him a little bit for trying to be a little over the top mm-hmm. because I feel like somebody who's lived his life, like video games have prepared him for this. Right, moment. that's fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, he's done it from the couch, right? Mm. He's never physically had to do it. And so you have to get yourself in that mindset and you have to like turn yourself into this over the top and steal yourself okay yeah here's what i'm gonna do and that's exactly what he does and it felt 
Okay, it felt as realistic as a zombie movie can. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. In that moment. <laughs> like, I feel like I would probably react the same way. Right. I don't know that I would have, like, chucked vinyl records at a zombie <laughs> trying to kill them or, like, thrown a toaster at them. I would have gone to the shed to find the shovel and the cricket mm-hmm. bat first. But I, I get it. Because that's effectively, like, the almost the trailer stuff for it. The bit of him shuffling his feet and so on. And then them throwing vinyls. Mm. It's that joke of, if you were in your house now and had to try to defeat a zombie, what would you use? Like, well, I've got some records here. Right. Throw the records, see what happens. <laughs> yeah. But not that one, because I really like no. it. Yeah, and then the comedy of sorting through their vinyl, yeah. And it, and, and that's yeah. shorthand to tell you exactly the sort of people they are. They are nerdy about their music, about their games, and yeah. Mm-hmm. My kind of people. Mm. But yeah, that that you've made me think, and it's because of the Destiny reference earlier. That sort of you know the, the faux American accent is like Zavala turning around and being like, mm, "Guardian, you need to go and fight and do this thing." Mm. It's, <laughs> you know, I'm going to stand on the battlefield with my friends. <laughs> yes, yes, very mm. much so. All right, what about you? I know you really like this movie. Yeah, like I say, it works so much better on DVD. When I watched it on TV, having watched it at the cinema. A year or two before, I enjoyed it so much more. And talking on the direction, the the two the sort of juxtaposed scenes where he gets up and he gets ready for work and he goes to the shop and he comes back, and you see mm-hmm. all the things in the street, and that's one long tracking shot, and showing all the streets going on around him. And then they do basically the same tracking shot the next day, except now it's a zombie apocalypse, so the world is fundamentally different. But it's just it's delightful mm-hmm. in. You can just about see how he would miss the bloody handprints and that he slipped on blood and that the guy's a zombie in the background because he's hung over and he just wants his Coke and he just wants his ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, before this year, before 2020, mm-hmm. I would have thought it was impossible to be that oblivious <laughs> right. to a world changing event, mm-hmm. but I totally buy it now. Yeah. Which is really depressing but i i can see it now and like yeah and it is really strange seeing this you know people on the bus next to each other getting unwell and there was a dude hacking and on that bus and i was like dude you're not wearing a mask y'all aren't social distancing Mm. like that's my initial reaction to things now and this was 20 years ago yeah okay not quite 20 Uh, years ago but 16 (laughs) Yeah, no, our reactions to everything is different now. It is going to be really strange watching stuff on TV, like, and as it's made now, being like, mm, I'm not sure that's true to life anymore. I'm not sure people would sit that close, and yeah. <laughs> so no, they they are wonderful, and they make the film. They they are a huge part of the advertising for it because it's so mm-hmm. important that it is just this guy who isn't aware it's going on. Yeah. Um, the film I think is at its strongest. When they do the, once they know what's happening and they, exactly like you said, they start coming up with a plan. Right, we take the car, we go to mum's, we kill Philip, get Liz, go to the pub, have a pint of beer till it all blows over. (laughs) All of that bit. And then into getting the car and finding out the pizza zombie. Finally getting, you know, running someone over and then checking, he oh, he's a zombie, it's okay. And then... Getting there and having to deal with Philip, and Philip has been bitten but isn't dead. So how do we deal with this now? Then getting to Liz, it's like it, it, it's just set piece after set piece after set piece, which is very TV more than film. 
Uh-huh. Um, but it all works. And you finally get into them taking a shortcut. Him being like, what's the matter, David? Never taken a shortcut. And the fence falls over on him. It's such a small <laughs> gag. Again, a bit of a TV gag. But it's yeah. really funny because he is being the triumphant, hey, man, I'm going to get you out and save you from this. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, the fence has fallen over on him. <laughs> it's right. so small yes. town, small time. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm. no, absolutely. Everything. Even, you know, him taking the zombies away, mm-hmm. but then they follow him mm-hmm. back. Right? Like, it just doesn't quite really come no off. Point in what yeah, he did. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like when he's fighting the zombie in the back garden sequence and they give him the swing ball set, he tries to hit him with a tennis ball. <laughs> and then the girls are like, no, 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 jab him, jab him. Uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The the thing okay. I love, and, and I think when I watched this, I didn't know what Chekhov's gun is. And now I know what Chekhov's gun is. This film has possibly the best Chekhov's gun we've ever seen. By the fact they actually point at a gun and say, what about that gun? That gun's not loaded. <laughs> and they <laughs> reference it several times, building up to... Oh, that gun's not real. Is it loaded? Is it real? And then we find out, <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. But it's brilliant. It's like... They're messing with the sort of meta idea of Chekhov's gun by pointing it out, mm-hmm. pointing out that gun on the wall, whether it's going to go off or not. Right. It's very good. Yes, yeah. It's literal. Mm. Quite literal. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I, it, it has some wonderful bits of writing, really good, and and it is a very good film. It mm. is. It is a very mm. good film. I really don't think I have any actual complaints about it. Okay. Mm. I, I mean, like I said, I that act three. We yeah. talked about this. The story kind of mm. fades away a little yeah. bit, but I still enjoyed it, and I enjoyed the the closure. I guess mm-hmm. we got mm-hmm. like, I mean, it had a very definite end. Yeah, they get out of the pub. Life goes back to normal, except now they have zombie slice. Yeah, and, and I love this. The it's a, such a short, sh- short shot. Of the flat at the end where she's now moved in to the to the house and has redecorated, but it has, mm-hmm. still has sort of the same furniture and the same layer. You you know this mm-hmm. is the same place, but it now yes. feels mature. And mm-hmm. it is that transition from when he was living with his mates that he went to uni with and they smoke and weed and play video games and fart. Yeah. And now it's a grown up <laughs> house in inverted commas. <laughs> but their plans for the day are still going to be go hang out in the pub yeah. and then come back and go to Yeah, sleep. it is still the same life. Life has, like you say, utterly yeah. returned to normal. Yeah. I do want to make one correction to something I just said. I called them zombie slaves. They are mobile deceased yeah, right. slaves. <laughs> it's great. Which I thought was great. Yeah, yeah. really good. Yeah. All right. Is there anything else that we need to discuss about Shaun of the Dead? I mean, we're, we're going to watch Hot Fuzz. Eventually, that's, but that's not part of British movie. Not, I, I feel a little bit like a break would be good. Okay. Because there are such similarities between them. Because same okay. director, some of the same cast, all this sort of thing. Actually, the separation will do you good. Um, I, th- okay. I think, whether that's true or not. But, and there is no way to do A-B testing. But so we're not. Um, but zombie films. I mean, I've mentioned a lot of zombie films in here. We've talked about zombie stories and things. I, are zombie does the trappings of this film and the genre call to you now to want to see any more? Some. I mean, I do want to see Zombieland 2. 
Okay. I'm not sure I'm interested in Night of the Living Dead. Oh, okay. Part of the thing with those films is each film, we talked about this with the Knives Out episode, each of the the Of the Dead films is about a subject matter. Night of the Living Dead okay. is about racism in America. Really? Basically. Dawn of the Dead is about capitalism in America. And and huh. so on. Um, I had no idea. Dawn, Dawn of the Dead is, and actually Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead is pretty good. I, I actually quite enjoyed it, I will admit. Um, I, I okay. can't really remember the original, but I think I enjoyed it as well. Night of the Living Dead is a classic, though. So much of a classic. You know when they're on the phone to his mum? I don't want to cause a fuss. We're coming to get you, Barbara. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's a line from the opening of Night of the Living Dead. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Like, they, they okay. are pulling from the genre to, to you know, right. do it as an homage. And I think part of that is... They did advertise it very heavily on the sort of horror convention circuit. They were appealing to horror fans saying, we're going to give you a new horror film that you're going to treat as a classic. Okay. Do you have to watch Night of the Living Dead to watch the original Dawn of the Dead? No. The the, the films are, and it really very much is, one is zombies start attacking. Zombies are attacking, we're dealing with it. Zombies have been attacking, and how are we dealing with it? E- each film sort of progresses a little bit further into a zombie apocalypse. Okay. So the, at the end of Night of the Living Dead, they haven't, like, stopped the apocalypse? No. Okay. Interesting. I might be interested in doing, like, a double feature of both Dawn of the Deads. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because seeing that the 2004 one was directed by Zack Snyder and written by James Gunn mm. has me very intrigued. Mm. I, I remember thoroughly enjoying it, although admittedly, because I saw it twice at the cinema, I saw it once, I think, with friends and enjoyed it, saw it with a girl that I, I did, like, it was, I think, the second or third film we went to see, and she, yeah, I'll tell the story, we were holding hands underneath <laughs> the, the armrest of the chairs, cause, you know, early date, so, you know, I want to hold your hand, and <laughs> then there was a jump scare, and she jumped and smacked her hand on the seat and possibly broke her hand, because it was incredibly painful for the, for the next few weeks. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's horrible. Uh, yeah. Huh. But I didn't know until later, because she was like, oh, we want a date, I wanted to hold your hand, so. It's just like you. Wait, so she was in pain? The rest <laughs> she was of the time still she was holding, holding my hand, hand trying to downplay it. Oh, <laughs> That's sad. Hmm. Ving Rhames is also Ving in Ving Rhames is Donna very good at that. And th- and that's why I thought of Ty Burrell as the kind of guy you go right. What? Because Ty Burrell, I'm sure, has been in a series of films as someone like people go out with. Oh, he's in the National Treasure films as the like alternative date. Hmm. I had to look up who he was. He's in Modern Family. Mm. Yes, he is in Modern Family. Oh, and the Incredible Hulk. He's the new other half in the Incredible Hulk as well. Another actor in the MCU. Okay, so maybe maybe that, that's so. the, that's the one to do. Night of the Living Dead is very good, but it's black and white. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a black and white horror movie when they didn't know how to do special effects yet. Does that matter? Maybe. Okay. <laughs> you heathen. <laughs> I'm just being honest. Okay. I don't know. You might be able to twist my arm 
If enough people want me to watch it, mm. I will definitely watch it. It's really hard because it has been a very long time since I saw it. But it's sort of, for everything else that happens, it redeems itself at the very end of the film. Like the final shot to like, oh, wow. Okay. Hmm. Okay. Hmm. So if you don't, I will talk you through the film and tell you what happens. Okay. Mm. I do want to read the book for World War Z now. That, I thoroughly recommend I loved it. It's a book I've bought for people. and said, like, here, read this. Okay. Mm. And I think Max Brooks has not been cancelled. I thought he had been for a period, but I don't think he actually was. I think I was, I was thinking of another Max, son of a famous author, famous person. Okay. Um. Hmm. Mm. All right. Mm. Well, if you would like to join the conversation, you can use the hashtag PC Deprived on Twitter. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Eloquent Gushing, or you can send us an email to podcast at eloquentgushing.com. Pop Culture Deprived is completely funded by our listeners through Patreon. Anything you give, even $1 a month, it helps to support the networks, it helps to develop the shows that we develop, and it helps us to provide exclusive content through Patreon, such as our. Matrix recording that we did a while ago, bonus shows, extra shows, and some physical merch that we send out to you because we love you very much when you support us. So if you want to find out more, you can go to patreon.com slash eloquentgushing. And we will be back next week with another episode where we will continue British Movie Month with Remains of the Day. Until then, I am Mandy Kay. And it's not the end of the world. That ended up being true. Pop Culturally Deprived is an Eloquent Gushing production. For more information, go to eloquentgushing.com or find us on Twitter at Eloquent Gushing.